Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey guys, welcome to the Falcoholics post-game podcast for the 2019 season, week eight, the Atlanta Falcons hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Joining me as always is my co-host and fellow writer at the Falcoholic, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you doing? Um, not too bad considering we just lost. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, I think we were all expecting a much more devastating loss and you can, you know, be, not to go into too much detail, we'll cover it, but um, you can realistically see a way that the Falcons could have won this game. Um, they weren't really outplayed or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I had some more negativity to bring like I have the last couple weeks, but I like I actually <laughs> felt good about this loss. So I don't know. What about you? Yeah, uh, in a season where we're one and seven, this was the least disappointing loss we've suffered. Um, and obviously, uh, for those who are following along, the Seahawks did win this game as expected, twenty-seven to twenty. Um, the Falcons were down, if I remember right, twenty-four to nothing at halftime. So uh, they outscored the Seahawks twenty to three in the second half, which is something to be noted. Uh, something else to point out, uh, first game since 2000, 2009, 2009, since Matt Ryan uh, has missed a game. Matt Schaub got the start, played really well in his absence, all things yeah. considered. <laughs> so let's let's start with the let's start a conversation with the offense, Evan. Um, obviously, I just mentioned him, Matt Schaub, uh, 38-year-old backup. Uh, yeah. Went, 39 to 52, 460 yards, one touchdown, one interception. What did you think of his performance uh, in lieu of Matt Ryan being on the bench? Um, it was actually very like it's I, I what you want in a backup quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. He was doing making all the right throws. I mean, yeah, he did have that one interception where I believe he overthrew. I think it was Julio. Um, and, you know, at that moment when that happened, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. It right. a collapse, but he actually like did well. He spread the ball pretty well. I mean, Julio had 150 yards or 152 yards in uh, 10 receptions, no touchdowns, but that's still like a really good day for Julio. Um, mm-hmm. Austin Hooper, he used a lot. Uh, he went six receptions, 65 yards and a touchdown and Ridley four receptions, 70 yards. So if you notice, he pretty much kept that same, you know, obviously Sanu's no longer with us, but pretty much that trio of rec- receivers you want to be using. Um, Devontae Freeman, you know, was also used in the passing game, uh, as he has been in recent weeks, eight receptions for 63 yards. But yeah, I mean, having four, I don't think anybody predicted him to have 460 yards. That's just, <laughs> it's absurd. Um yeah, it's a weird stat line. I mean, I was, I honestly, if you follow the uh, Falcoholic staff predictions that 
um, Gina Thomas always, or maybe it's Dave. I think Dave does it, uh, puts like the day of the game, usually in the morning. Um, it has a lot of our writers like score predictions for what we think will happen in the game. I had the game, like the Seahawks went in like 41 to 17. I certainly didn't expect it to be this close and Matt Schaub throw 52 times and have a 90, 99.8 quarterback rating. Um, right. So he definitely played better than what I expected from him. So, yeah. Um, to add to that, you know, you mentioned the receiving yards for the Falcons. Uh, one thing I did want to point out the rushing yards, Devontae 13 carries 39 yards. Uh, again, another underwhelming performance on the ground. But Brian Hill, three carries, 29 yards, and a touchdown. He actually looked pretty impressive in the very few carries he got. Makes you wonder if he's going to be more of a factor after the bye week. Uh, He is someone that stood out in the preseason. He stood out again. Again, limited carries, so we we should put that with a grain of salt. Um, But in the limited carries he got, he looked very good. Um, And to add to the, the receiving numbers, you mentioned Julio, Calvin, Austin, uh, and Devontae all factoring in. The one name that stood out to me was Russell Gage. Seven receptions, 58 yards. Um, and he was someone that uh, we knew that with Sanu being gone now to the Patriots, that you know the Falcons were likely going to look to him and Justin Hardy. Hardy had two receptions for 23 yards. Gage, it looks like, is already beginning to slide in as that true third wide receiver, even if he's maybe the fourth or fifth option uh, in the passing game, but seven seven receptions for 58 yards is uh, a pretty good start for this second-year player out of LSU. What's your impression of how the Falcons use Gage, and does it give you some encouragement that maybe as we go into 2020 that this receiving core behind Jones and Ridley, that Gage may be able to pick up some of the slack? Yeah, um, I mean, even dating back to this preseason, me and you were pretty much – talking highly of gauge um but obviously at the time we had sanu so there really wasn't enough ball to go around for him to have any sort of impact and you know also worth mentioning when your quarterback throws it 52 times that does free up a lot of receptions and they definitely went his way julio left a little bit with a uh i think like i don't know what he was on the sideline with something it might have been just like a ankle or knee just kind of roughed up but he did return and then Ridley also left the game with a look like a concussion, but he somehow came back. So Gage basically was able to take advantage of those um, snaps where he, he was able to get in there pretty much to start. Um, mm-hmm. And he had a solid day. And I like, I like that the ball was spread around enough for him to be able to have an impact um, because I mean, seven receptions for 58 yards to some people is probably not a big deal, but like he looked really good in the plays they're the type you have to kind of just see. Um, I do like the prospect of him going forward. Um, I think the wide receiver, I mean, as we we've been pretty much blessed with having good wide receivers over the last what decade. Um, and, and he looks the part. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Um, but again, when your quarterback's throwing it 52 times, you know, a normal day, like Russell Wilson only <laughs> threw it 20 times. If if Schaub only threw it 20 times, you're looking at Gage maybe having two receptions at the most. So at most, right. it kind of inflates. Yeah, it kind of inflates his numbers. So I don't want to get too excited, but I do think he's got the talent. Um, he's very young, athletic, like he's got everything you want in that kind of third receiver. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, 
you know, a good day is usually Julio and Hooper. At least that's what it looks like going forward. Julio, Hooper, and Ridley eating. Um, and then Gage is definitely better, at like an upgrade over Hardy, um, who, you know, still played a part today. But mm-hmm. again, I think that was more of because the ball was thrown 52 times and then there was a couple injuries like that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I liked him. Did you, uh, did you think he was, you know, adding more to the offense while out there? Yeah, it's, I think in, you know, obviously losing a receiver like Sanu, who was uh, teeter-tottering between what you would consider wide receiver two and wide receiver three with the way they were using him. Um, He did a good job if you're replacing that type of productivity. Uh, Ridley obviously stepped up for reception 70 yards. Um, arguably could have had more. Uh, he did have the two point conversion, uh, you know, early in the game. And obviously, if you combine Jones, Ridley, and Hooper, they went for almost 300 yards uh, between the three of them, which is, to your point, is what you want to see. You want to see these guys, your top three guys, add up for the majority of receiving yards. Um, where I think Gage factors in is, you know, obviously with Sanu gone, he's going to get more targets, and he took advantage of them. He had nine targets and seven receptions off those nine targets. And, you know, he, he did a fairly good job of uh, becoming a factor in this offense where he was catching almost everything that went his way. Nothing really big from an explosive standpoint, but just solid, solid performance. And again, for someone who is in his second year, uh, was considered a very raw wide receiver coming out of LSU, it's encouraging to see. He has grown a lot from his rookie year to the second year. Um, be very curious to see after the bye week if we see more of Gage in this offense because you know one of the things to consider is with the Falcons running game, absolutely just struggling. You know, let, Let's be blunt at this point. Um, the Falcons just are not getting it done on the ground, period. Uh, again, not a shock for a Dirk Cutter offense, unfortunately. But they are, they've been woefully inadequate. They're going to have to make their offense work in the air. And that means that, you know, behind Jones, Ridley, and Hooper, you need guys like Gage and Hardy to contribute. Another name that, you know, another pass, uh, again, this is someone that stood on the preseason. I'm a little frustrated we haven't seen more of, more of him during the regular season was Jaden Graham. He had a reception for 11 yards uh, in the key, uh, I believe, uh, I think it was a third down conversion. I may be wrong. <clears throat> but he is someone that also stood out. So if you're looking towards 2020 and you're looking at this Falcons offense, um, I see several reasons from a skill standpoint to be optimistic. Uh, you've got obviously the Jones, Ridley, Hooper, uh, and it sounds like the Falcons are in on keeping Hooper based on all the rumors we've seen. They're not going to trade him, which which would be an indication that they're very intent on keeping him. I would not be surprised if we seen, see him signed to a long-term deal over the next few weeks, uh, now with the money freed up from you know, Snow being traded to the Patriots. But if you're looking at you know the, the passing offense behind these guys, You've got Russell Gage. You've got Jaden Graham, who is showing a lot of potential as a second receiving tight end. Um, it, it makes you feel a lot better about where this team may be in 2020 from an offensive standpoint. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the defense and where they stand in just a little bit. But if, if I'm thinking purely offense, purely where this team is headed uh, going into the next season, 
I feel pretty good about that. How, how do you feel about what you saw today, just, just as far as projecting into the next season? Yeah, I mean, we definitely have the talent. I think we got the talent right now to win. I just, you know, it's just not happening. Um, I think the run game needs a lot more help. And I think having yep. a offensive mind who isn't Dirk Cutter, who's got a history of not having a run game, um, will be a big part of that. So, but, you know, seeing like Brian Hill have like a good game, um, you know, limited action, obviously, but he had a solid game and, you know, he was on, um, he was one of our game day inactives for what, a couple weeks to start the season and pretty much just came in because Edo Smith went out with the uh, concussion or whatever. Um, so, you know, maybe they'll use him some more and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and I, I think Freeman still got, you know, I'm not not an expert in cap and stuff like that. Like I know a lot of people are projecting Freeman to go off and I don't know what is, uh, after the season, I mean, and I don't know what exactly his cap numbers and stuff like that would be, but, you know, I think he is useful in the passing game and, you know, I really liked how, um, how, uh, Kyle Shanahan used Freeman with Coleman. They kind of complimented each other. Um, and maybe he could do that, you know, uh, an offensive mind can do that with Hill and Freeman. I don't know, but, right. um, I do think he still adds, you know, something to this team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, you know, obviously you want the offensive line to improve you, Julio Jones is getting older. You want him to stay like healthy, you know, I mean, but th- to answer your question, there's not a whole lot of like negative stuff on the offense you know it's it's actually more surprising that the offense isn't putting up 30 or more points you know i know we were without matt ryan and 20 points is you know like we only lost by a touchdown but 20 points is kind of weak based on this this offense but um not to mention your quarterback throwing it 52 times but if ryan was playing i think maybe we would have won um but at the same time it's not like Schaub did like entirely nothing to help the team like he did he was very serviceable and stuff like that but if you look at these numbers and you ignore the score um and obviously ignore like i guess the touchdowns because you can just calculate it in your head but uh it, it's kind of surprising they only scored 20 points still but uh yeah. you know we'll see what happens we got a, we got a long way before the off season um so i've kind of like <laughs> taking it week by week at this point <laughs> Yeah, the, the, honestly, this bye week is coming at a, a very, yeah. very convenient point. I think many of us, including those who write about the team, those those of you who are watching the team every week, God bless yeah. you uh, for hanging in there. We all need a little bit of a break. Uh, this has been a tough season, and uh, this is easily one of the worst seasons uh, to be a Falcons fan in recent memory. Um, so we're going to talk about the defense next, talk about some of the guys who stood out there. Surprisingly, there are some names we want to talk about uh, in not necessarily a negative way. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, 
It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack It. We're talking about big time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholics postgame podcast for the Falcons-Seahawks game in week eight of the 2019 regular season. This is David Walker. Coming back to you with my co-host, Evan Birchfield. And Evan, we're going to talk about the defense because uh, the the defense only gave up 27 points. Uh, I, I, I want to kick myself for having said that. Um, but the Seahawks had a 24-0 lead in the first half. The, the Falcons defense held them to three points in the second half. Uh, again, it, it's sort of the definition of Atlanta's season. Uh, they were dismal in the first half, much better in the second half. But some of the things uh, that I think stood out on defense, number one, um, the Falcons had a chance to set an unfortunate NFL record with five straight games without a sack. Uh, they had four straight coming into this game, and they avoided they avoided that record. Uh, Grady Jarrett and Tyler Davidson, arguably two of our best uh, defensive players this year, um, both had a sack in this game. Um, and, uh, you know, they – as I mentioned, they, they held the Seahawks to three points in the second half. So I know it's not a lot of uh, stuff to write home about with this defense because they still have been absolutely dismal for the most part. But who stood out to you maybe in a positive way, made some good plays on defense that uh, you feel like does deserve some credit? Uh, definitely Grady Jarrett, he, but he's always reliable. So I feel like that's kind of a given um isaiah oliver looked really good at least on the first couple drives i thought Mm -hmm. um you know he's somebody who's been criticized a lot and struggling lately um but i think he deserves a lot of credit um pretty much that first drive is what uh he played a big hand in getting the seahawks to only uh convert a field goal instead of a touchdown so you know, not that it matters in hindsight because we ended up losing the game anyway, so it didn't matter if it was three or seven. But I thought he played really well. Um, Demonte Casey had his moments looking good. Uh, Tyler Davison obviously got a sack, which was big. The defense in general, I thought, played really well. At least, you know, I mean, when you look at the Seahawks stats, they still, you know, like Chris Carson, the Seahawks starting running back, still had 90 yards and a touchdown. Um but that came off 20 carries. Russell Wilson only threw the ball, as I mentioned, 20 times, um, but two touchdowns. And, of course, you know, it kind of continued that string of, uh, like, how the Titans, um, when we played the Titans earlier in the season, A.J. Brown, who you could say Corey Davis is their number one receiver. A.J. Brown's, like, their secondary receiver. He went off. Um, today, you know, uh, Lockett for the Seahawks. He had a hundred yards, but it was DK Metcalf who scored their two touchdowns. Who was like their secondary receiver. So I don't. It's kind of weird. It's like the. It always seems like the backup receiver or whatever is the one doing the damage for the opposing <laughs> team against us. But, um, exactly. I didn't notice that. But 
Yeah, I mean, they got the they got the team in position to win. Um, you know, and I don't want to go off on a rant here, but I believe Devontae Freeman was down on that fumble. Um, yeah, yeah. Where they were pretty much going to score, momentum was shifted in that way. Um, I believe he was down. You know, a lot of people online say he was down. Um, but you know, that's a totally different game. The Falcons could have easily tied it up in hindsight because it would have been twenty-seven to set, uh, twenty-seven if they scored there. Um, so I don't want to bash the defense because they had the team in position to win or at least tie and take it to overtime or whatever, wherever it would have went. So I don't want to bash the defense, but they got, I mean, they were forcing punts, you know, it's like, and then two sacks today, which they hadn't had a sack. I think I saw since week three, which was like 327 defensive plays ago or something like that. Just yeah, absurd were, numbers. Well over 300. Yep. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, kudos to them. They, they weren't elite or anything. Like I don't want, don't give the wrong impression. They weren't like the Patriots defense, how they've been playing lately, but they were a serviceable defense that got us in a position to win. And that's all you can ask of your defense. So, Yeah. It, it, for me, some of the things that stood out, um, as you mentioned, Isaiah Oliver had two um, pass uh, defenses in the game really looked good early on. Uh, and, you know, for someone who has been sort of a consistent target of fans over the past several weeks, he's been, I think, relatively good over the past, you know, game and a half. Um, and then another name who stood out to me, and, and if you look at the box score for this name, it's not going to look great, but I, I felt like he actually had a much stronger game than people are going to give him credit for. That was Kendall Sheffield. Um it really took two perfect passes, two perfect catches, but he was consistently in good coverage against Tyler Lockett for most of the game. Um, so I, I think, you know, if you're looking again for positives to take in the 2020 for this Falcons defense, you know, you got to look at some of these guys like Sheffield, Oliver, uh, potentially developing through the back end of this season and maybe being ready for a bigger, more substantial role uh, going into 2020. Uh, was really happy with what Sheffield did. Ricardo Allen, Allen I felt, had a, a better game than what he's had in, in recent memory. Um, and really, you know, Tack McKinley had a pressure. He looked a little bit better than what he has in recent weeks. Overall, I felt this was a better total defensive effort than what we've seen over the last four or five games. Uh, again, it wasn't necessarily a great performance, um, but th it was – you know whether the arrow is trending up or down. I felt like it was trending up just a just a tiny bit. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I don't want to give them too much credit. They still gave up twenty seven points, but um, at at minimum, this feels like a team that has several young players that they could do something with. Um, it, it's not a team that is completely devoid of talent. You, you've obviously got Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones. Who I think are, are you know two stalwarts in the defense, but then you look at guys like Oliver, you look at guys like KZ, and you look at guys like Sheffield, and you say, okay, will another coach come in and take better advantage of these guys, or put these guys in a position to succeed, or will they grow uh, into better players through the remainder of the season? And I, I think there's reason to be optimistic that uh, with these two or three guys. You know they could turn into better players, uh, and they're young. Sheffield's a rookie. Um, you know, as we talked about, Oliver is in his second season. 
So these are guys where it is way, way, way too early to give up on them. And today they showed enough to think maybe there's something to build on. Um, and it, in this kind of season where you're one in seven, these are the sort of takeaways you have to cling to because there's not a whole lot else. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Evan, before we wrap up, any final thoughts on any players that stood out to you, offense, defense, special teams, that you want to point out before we wrap up the podcast? Um, not especially. Um, I, you know, I do appreciate knowing Matt Schaub if needed, you know, we, we will be playing, we have a bye week but then I think we'll play the, we go down to new Orleans, right? Yeah. Like right after the bye week So, you know, hopefully Matt Ryan, cause he seemed like he was almost close to being ready to go today and they just didn't want to risk it or whatever. So knowing if Matt Ryan's in a bind in any of the next, you know, games in the season, Matt Schaub can step in and maybe not win you the game, but not completely lose you the game either. He's had a big history of being um, known for his pick sixes and stuff like that. But he did, you know, even in a loss, play a good game. Um, but yeah, I think we pretty much covered everybody. Um, I would like to see Brian Hill get more of a, more usage than just three carries. Because I think he's talented. Um, you know, I, I do want to eventually see DeAndre Sanat on the roster. He's always yeah. been, he's constantly inactive. Um, I don't know. And then, you know, my boy Jack Crawford, like, is rarely on the field. So that kind of sucks. But aside from that, I mean, no, I don't have much to add. Um, and then, you know, my other boy, Matt Bryant, missing two field goals sucks. But yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I mean, in hindsight, everyone's going to want to lose these games anyway, so we can get a draft pick because we're not going to playoff. So I hate to say that, but, you know, in two weeks, you're not going to care about this game because we're going to be playing the New Orleans Saints and <laughs> probably losing that one, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I, I they think... just won today, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's Freeze is uh... back. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they play out. But uh, if anything, I think the Falcons' role for the remainder of the season is going to be a spoilers to see what they can do to ruin uh, the seasons of the rest of the teams in the yeah. NFC South. You know, such as the Saints and the Panthers. Um, it, it it's not a great position to be in. But at this point, I don't know what to tell you, folks. That's about all we have to offer. Um, let me let me ask you something. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I I remember last week me and you were kind of like, not not really in agreement that something was going to happen over the bye week, but like we thought if something was going to happen, it was probably going to be following this game into the right. bye week, whatever. So, do you think now that you saw today, um, Dan Quinn is safe? I know there was the report that Matt, um, not Matt, that Arthur Blank, um was wasn't planning on firing him or anything like that. Do you think even in a loss where it's close like this that he did enough to, you know, and it might not have mattered. We don't know him personally, so maybe he was safe all along even if the Falcons did get destroyed today. But in a close loss like this, do you think he's going to be the head coach against the Saints in uh what would it be week 10 or whatever? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I think that's the the thing that Falcons fans going to be watching. I think they showed enough today um, that at this point, it would not surprise me if the Falcons 
do keep him for the remainder of the season. And I know a lot of fans are not going to want to hear that. Uh, I made the comment earlier today on Twitter that uh, at, at this point, if Arthur Blank keeps Dan Quinn, it's for the purpose of going one and fifteen. And and obviously, I'm uh, I'm I'm joking, uh, but at the same time, I, I do think that uh, there's an element of Quinn staying around to finish off the season, where you know uh, Blank is like, hey, you you're going to finish what you started, for better or for worse. Um, so yeah, I, I I would not be surprised at this point if, uh, especially with some of the reports we got earlier this week with you know Julio making an impassioned plea to the rest of the team about uh, you know fighting for Quinn, uh, it's clear that the players, a lot of the players at least, still love Dan Quinn. So I think that's going to factor in. And I was okay. pretty firmly on board saying one and seven will get him fired at the bye. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. I, I would say 50-50 shot at this point, and uh, I'm okay with that. If Quinn is going to finish out the season, uh, I think that is going to uh, be the, you know, it, it's it's fine. Like, if you want to end up with a top five pick, having Dan Quinn finish out the season may not be such a bad thing, which is a horrible thing to say, but – yeah. Uh, honestly, I, th- I feel like that's where we're at. It is, you know, if he stays, if he goes, I'm sort of indifferent at this point. We all know at the end of the season, Dan Quinn is done one way or the other. Uh, and I think it's more than, more than likely, I would say at this point, he'll, he'll probably stay on for a little bit. Um, for what it's worth, Arthur Blank did say uh, just now he's going to take the next couple of weeks to evaluate everything. So uh, I think that is something that could factor in uh, so keep that in mind. Um, that is so something. He's going to give him an, an extension, is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fans that uh, just took another shot of vodka to to kill after yeah. him. Um, no, I think he's done. But uh, end of the season versus uh, you know this week, uh, I think that's up for debate. So, right. Um, all right, uh, with that. Evan, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and what you've got going on? Uh, you can find me writing at thefalcoholic.com and on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. Um, and I do fantasy previews on Friday. So if you are big into fantasy, you can read that and maybe I can help you or you can just read it for fun. Um, and also I do a uh, tweet recap of each game. Um, so make sure if you want you know, you can read it at thefalcoholic.com, obviously. But if um, if you want, you know, the possibility of being added in it, it's usually just a recap of the previous game. So, like, on Monday or Tuesday, it'll post and have a recap of the Seahawks game. And it's pretty much narrated by uh, the tw- people on Twitter, fine folks on Twitter. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. And there's funny tweets in there and whatnot. So, yeah. And, uh We'll have a uh, bye week next week, and then me and uh, good old DW will be back for the Saint- following the Saints game. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> Probably worse. But- <laughs> Probably worse, the way the season is going. Absolutely. Um, as for me, guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW, and of course, weekly here on the Postgame Podcast uh, and the Falcoholic Podcast, we will be reigniting the Falcoholic Crossfire podcast here in the coming weeks. 
uh, to debate some of the topics as we go into the offseason. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about with this team in regards to the coaching situation, who they should look at, what they should do in the draft. Uh, so you can expect us to be debating that on the Crossfire podcast in the very near future. Um, otherwise, look for our stuff at thefalcoholic.com. And of course, uh, guys, we appreciate you listening in in this rough, rough season. Uh, stick with us. We've got the bye week and then eight more games to go before we could talk about the draft, free agency, all that fun stuff that's coming up. Uh, so for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in, and we'll talk with you next time.